0: and this place seemed like the right place for me for where I wanted to go and the connections I could make uh, within the program.
1: Turn your hobby into a career in one of the highest-paid professions in the country with William Peace University's Simulation and Game Design Program. Master design, 3-D modeling, and programming in a state-of-the-art space with the latest and most remarkable technologies available. Find out more at peace.edu. Three seconds left on the power play. Two seconds,
2: one second, and out comes Nick Cousins. And he's sprung, in a two-on-one coming the other way for Nashville. Shot right on it, Elkowitzman. The save as he robs Yarncroke there. A two-on-one developed for Nashville. What a huge save. She's passed, intercepted by Duchesne. He turns it right back into the game zone. Great back check by Ajo, but now Johansson is there. And then Elkovich, Mercy, takes it away from Johansson. What now a Now it's 2 on o in the Cane zone. And then Elkovich just absolutely takes the lunch money of Trennan. Harper with the puck, Nashville keeping it in. Now Trennan loses the puck along the boards will clear. You won't see a better
0: example. You'd be hard-pressed to the nth degree of finding a goalie putting a goal behind him better than that on a two-on-o.
2: The broken stick is Cunning's. he's got to go to the bench to get a new piece of equipment. Shot wide of Nedeljkovic as Nashville gains the zone. Kept in now for Perry scores! Cunning got a new stick jumped off the bench. Perfect feed from Mikhail Granlin. The Nashville Predators will beat the Carolina Hurricanes 4-3 to in double overtime in the second consecutive game.
1: This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now
0: here's the host of the Canes Corner Podcast, Adam Gold. Welcome to the Canes Corner Podcast. I am Adam Gold on the heels of a second straight crushing double overtime loss to the Nashville Predators. Canes lose it 4-3, double OT, and they head back to Raleigh for game five on Tuesday. Uh, We still don't know the game time for that yet. Uh, I'm sure by the time you listen to this, we'll know the game time. Uh, But uh, the Hurricanes for the second straight game in Nashville, late in the second overtime Give up a goal, and there you go. And it's 2-2, a brand new series, a three-game series, if you will, uh, with Carolina having game three on home ice, if we get to it. Now, without Jacob Slavin, might not get to it. And therein lies the problem. All right, let's get to a bunch of things. First, a reminder that we are brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina online for a free no-obligation estimate at AluminumCompany.com. All right, a couple of things I just want to say up front. You're going to hear from Jordan Martinuk. You're going to hear from Rod Brendamore. Yes, crushing loss. No doubt about it. Because of the emotional and physical exertion. All of the energy you put into a game like this. It is going to be an emotional situation. But the Hurricanes are not some dead animal lying on the shoulder of the road. Like, we don't have to look at... The, like, these people are adults. Jordan Martinook, I thought, uh, really summed it up. Because... It's as though we 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 like you guys have to be devastated. Uh, what what do you have to do? How do you bounce back? And finally, Jordan just went.
2: Ugh. I feel like I've answered this. It's not frustration. It's 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 over. It's it's a shot, and uh, obviously they got they got the two shots that they needed these two games. So it's. Um, obviously you're frustrated you don't want to lose and you want to if we if we would have got the shot then the series is over but um they they did what they had to do they held held court and um now we got to go home and do what we need to do and hold court and um just keep keep at the grind and keep doing what we're doing
0: look i'm not saying that there aren't things to fix I mean, the Hurricanes, obviously, there's a reason why you could pump 60 shots or whatever they pumped on UC Soros and only score three goals, and one of them was kind of fluky. I mean, it's kind of a joke. Uh, The first goal, the Trocek goal, which was really the Natchez goal, uh, that was scored without shooting the puck. Interesting, right? So there are things to fix. But ultimately, while it wasn't egregious... Hurricanes were the better team today. Controlled the puck. Had the puck in the zone. Now, once you control the puck, what you do with it after that does matter. And I think Carolina was not at their best when they had the puck in, you know, areas to score. And ultimately, that's kind of the deciding factor in this game. Uh, Let's, for the sake of data... And I don't, I've always not necessarily known what to make of the data in terms of this is gospel or not. I like to use natural stat trick uh, as an analytic source because uh, it does generally tell you uh, where shots come from. So for all of their shots on goal, and there were many, Carolina had 61 shots on goal. There were only 14 high-danger scoring chances out of 61 shots on goal. By the way, not all the high-danger scoring chances are shots. They could simply be you possess the puck at the doorstep with a chance. Maybe the shot doesn't get through. So, we're talking 61 shots on goal, 14 high-danger scoring chances the entire game. Only four From the start of the third period on. So essentially the last 60 minutes of the game, Carolina had just four chances that natural stat trick deems high danger. So we can sit here all day long and talk about 61 shots on goal and how great UC Soros was. And I am not saying that UC Soros wasn't great. But I just don't think Carolina did enough with their chances. And that's basically what it comes down to for me. That's the offensive side of it. The defensive side of it is that they were really the victim of many mistakes. And, unfortunately, as great, and Alex Nadelkovich was great, but as great as he was, they were probably two soft goals. So... We're talking about a situation, you're in a playoff game, you're in a, a a tight game, and every game has been tight. Game one was tight, 2-2 going to the third, Carolina dominated the third period, end of game. one nothing going to the third period in game two, Carolina scores the empty, empty netter, and then there's a garbage goal. So it really wasn't 5-2, 3 those were winnable games for Nashville too. Just like these two games were winnable for Carolina. I think Carolina played much better today than they did Friday night. But they end up, the result is the same. Double overtime loss. And I do think that uh, we can go through the goals and kind of explain the goals that Carolina allowed and explain it. By the way, you wasted, you wasted this from Brock McGinn. Lorenz takes a shove from that Back to McGinn, he scores! Brock
2: McGinn, as the fourth line dials up the equalizer. With a minute 55 to go in the second, we're tied at two. A game, as we are underway in the third. Stahl, with the puck, comes out to McGinn, and he scores! Brock McGinn, 13 seconds. show on
0: Broadway in Nashville. Not entirely sure when the last time Brock McGinn scored basically uh, 90 seconds apart, but uh, we all watched that today. Uh, But you wasted that because, well, I'm going to get back to the Brock McGinn, first Brock McGinn goal here for a second. If you remember the goal, it's going to illustrate my overall point. Carolina's first goal came. Martin Natus makes a great individual play, a little toe drag in transition, uh, gets inside the dots uh, and doesn't even really shoot it. He fans on the shot. Looked like it might have gone off uh Harper's skate uh and kind of skate, you know, kind of traveled towards the goal, and Trocheck eventually helps it across the goal line. I think it was going to get there anyway. Um but you know, Natchez makes the play, but there's a whole bunch of congestion in front of UC Sorrows, and on the first McGinn goal, the one that he shot from outside the faceoff circle, not a high danger chance by any stretch of the imagination, but outside the faceoff circle along the wall, Jordan Martinuk and a defender were in front of UC Sorrows. He never saw the puck. Like the first goal from Nashville on Friday night when Ryan Ellis floated it in from, you know, on top of the right faceoff circle, and Ned never saw it. Can't stop what you don't see unless it just happens to hit you. So he never saw Soros, never saw the McGinn shot. It goes inside, uh, off the inside of the far post, and in. And that's what Carolina didn't have enough of tonight. That's what's been plaguing them on their power play. Uh, I mean, I just think UC Soros had clean looks at almost every shot Carolina took tonight. I think the Hurricanes took a lot of what I'll I'll call, in a hockey term, three-pointers. It took a lot of perimeter jump shots. Uh, And if you're not going to get traffic in front of the net, then you're probably not going to give up too many goals or going to score too many Probably not going to score too many goals. There was a play this, uh, you know, during the game, where Brett Pesci was throwing it at the front of the net, and uh, it looked like that, um, I think it, it, it jumped the stick of try- Well, there were a couple of plays that it, they didn't even look like shots. They looked like they were supposed to be passes. Carolina was supposed to get tips. Uh, I think Jesper Fast. that was right. It was the Jesper Fast shot. This this was potentially a goal. It was Pesci from the left point uh, putting a shot on net. With Stahl and Fost in front, but Fost couldn't get his stick to it. If he gets a stick to it, he can deflect it over Saros. Saros saw the shot from Pesci the whole way, but the whole point was to get the stick to it so to deflect it. You, I mean, you people all understand the concept. I don't have to teach you about deflecting in front. But ultimately, that was Carolina's problem today, and to an extent, that was Carolina's problem on Friday. Tons of shots. But not a lot of goals because not a lot of traffic. When that changes, Carolina will get back to scoring a bunch of goals on UC Sorrows. Um, Because the efforts that they played with, both in games three and four, were good enough to score goals. But you have to be able to go that extra step. When Nashville has decided, uh, and in games one and two, Nashville decided that they were just going to be physical with Carolina, that didn't work. All right. So we said, well, what's their plan B? This is their plan B. Their plan B is to clog up the middle of the offensive zone or their defensive zone. And their plan B is to take advantage of the fact that Jacob Slavin isn't playing and go to the front of the net all day long. And that is where Nashville is doing their work. Because we'll go through the hurricanes, the the goals that Carolina allowed, and you'll see the problem. Anyway, uh, Brock McGinn good game even though he was on the ice for the first goal uh we'll explain in a second and Carolina just had to figure it out so Carolina played really well but it ain't like there aren't things to deal with uh and there are things to deal with all right uh let's let's hand out some praise first uh Brett Pesci two games in Nashville 79 minutes and 43 seconds the last two games 7943 4016 Sunday. Brady Shea, 3902 Sunday, 7723, the last two. They badly need Jacob Slavin back. I'm not trying to be alarmist here. I'm just going to reiterate something I said prior to the playoffs. I think it was even after the um it might have been after the last Saturday game of the regular season in Nashville or the final game of the regular season in Nashville. I absolutely believe this is true. They're definitely not getting past Tampa or Florida, whoever survives that series, without Jacob Slayman But I said it, and I don't... I mean, I, I think it's... I think I'm probably... Uh, have a better chance of being right than wrong here. I don't think they win a series without Jacob Slavin. I don't think it's fully grasped just how important he is. The difference between the Hurricanes and the Predators isn't that much. The difference is Carolina's high-end players are better than Nashville's high-end players. Aho, Teravainen, Svechnikov... Trocek, uh, Natchez, not all playing at the top of their games, by the way. But they're better than Nashville's high-end players. Forsberg, Duchesne, Johansson, yada yada. But if you don't have Slavin, they're two indispensable players. I keep reiterating this, uh, and I think people are finally figuring this out, that I'm not wrong, Uh, and it's not like I've discovered this Okay, this is not like, uh, you know, cold fusion here. Um, Brett Pesci and Jacob Slavin cannot be replaced. You can get away with it for a game. Maybe two games. But you ain't getting away with it in two double overtime games. And no Jacob Slavin ultimately is the difference. Now, could Carolina have mitigated that with... Oh, an additional top-four-level NHL defenseman at the trade deadline? Yes, they could have mitigated it. And that is the last time in this podcast I will mention it. Now let's get to uh, what needs to improve. Douglas Jonathan Hamilton Jr. needs to get better. Because tonight was an example of what he's lacking when we get to postseason play. Here are the four goals I will describe Dougie Hamilton's role in all 4 not going to spend a ton of time here doing this. I'll just explain it. Alec Campbell will join us in just a few minutes. First goal. Hamilton's going off on a change, but he has the puck. Before he can get off the ice, he needs to get rid of the puck. So he sees Brock McGinn uh, skating up the center of the ice. Hamilton throws a bad pass or makes a bad pass, he didn't throw it. He makes a bad pass. Way out in front of McGinn, it's intercepted, goes the other way, Hamilton's off the ice. At that point, it's up to everybody else to deal with the mess, and everybody else didn't do a great job. As much as I love Brett Pesci, his mistake, not playing the body. It was a give and go with Cunning and Mikhail Grandland. By the way, Mikhail Grandland has been an outstanding player. In this series. Outstanding player in this series. Most of his damage has been mitigated by the fact that uh, Sebastian Aho's line is doing is checking them. And Sebastian has played great. But Granlund is a really good player. Um, anyway, so Granlund and Cunning play a give and go. Cunnan has the puck, gives it to Granlund. Granlund uh, gives it to uh, to Cunning. But the problem was that Brett Pesci... Didn't play the body, played the puck. And then, after that, when Cunning gets, gets through, Alex Nedelkovic tries the poke check. If you go back and look at the video, it's really what he tried at least one of the times on Philip. He tried that on uh, Matt Duchesne for the, the game winner on Friday night. Ned may be better served, and this, these will all be learning experiences. Ned will be better served sometimes. By simply playing it honestly. Accept that the shot's coming and stop the shot. Uh, by trying to poke check or, or or swipe the puck away from Cunning, all Ned did was open up like a 555 hole. There was all the room possible between Alex's pads and it's one nothing less than a minute in. So that's the first goal. Uh, the second goal was the shot from the point that Ned stopped, and the puck drops to his feet, and um, and Ned couldn't cover it. Right, Ned couldn't cover it. Now we're going to explain uh, in a uh, in a second what uh, another of the uh, of the real problem there. But um, that's what that's what happened there. Ned Ned couldn't cover the puck. And ultimately, Ryan Johansson, uh, punts, uh, you know, punches it in. And there's the second goal of the game. Carolina was dominating the period at that point, And all of a sudden, Nashville's got a goal. It's 2-1. The, the problem there is that because everybody thought Ned had the puck, eh, just kind of people drifting. People, everybody stopped. They figured Ned was covering it. You actually see, as Ned is losing control of the puck, Dougie Hamilton is just turning and skating away. I know it's going to sound weird, and maybe it's just not the style that the Hurricanes play, but be angry in front of your goaltender. So this is not just about Dougie, although Dougie was skating away. If there's anybody for Nashville and you think Ned's got the puck, you you just protect your goalie. So... Get a stick to Johansson. Get a stick to Duchesne, whoever else is on the ice. And Philip Forsberg was the top line. But, but they that's not what happened. Everybody skated away. Everybody assumed Ned had the puck, and boom. Ned didn't have the puck. How did that whole thing start? Jake Bean got big boyed off the puck. Twice. He had the puck. Twice. Jake Bean got crumpled uh, in the corner by Matt Duchesne. Ain't the first time that's happened to Jake Bean, with Matt Duchesne. And those are the things that Jake Bean is just not equipped to handle at this point. He can't, you can be physical with Jake Bean and take the puck from him or just knock him down and eliminate him from the play. And that's what happened there. I mean, go back and look at it. Bean had opportunities and ultimately he got big boyed and he was one of the players who skated away when everybody thought Alex Nedelkovic had the puck. So there's there's a second goal. Uh, Hamilton, one of the players who skated away, again, not necessarily his fault. That's That goal is entirely on Alex Nedelkovic, but there are opportunities to do something about it. Attention to detail. Uh, third goal, it's sort of almost unfair to blame Dougie Hamilton here because he was in the penalty box, but he was in the penalty box for a trip. Now, you go back and you look at that and you go, Really? That was a trip? Didn't look like much there. I don't know. Maybe Dougie uses a lead stick. And if that's the case, well, then it was a trip. Not entirely sure it was a trip, but it was a trip. And Dougie was in the box. Uh, and in while Dougie was in the box, uh, for the last 30 seconds of that power play, the killers were Yanni Hockenpah and Maxime LeJoie. No Jacob Slavin. That's how you get Maxime Lejoie killing penalties. And then on the final goal, double OT. Less than four minutes left in the second overtime. Time, oh, we're so close uh, to orange juice, granola bars, pizza, calories, and 15 minutes of catch-your-breath to go out and try to win a hockey game. And the um, puck goes in behind Nedeljkovic. It gets... Uh, wound around behind the net. Uh, Mikhail Granland goes into the corner for the puck. And for some un- unknown reason, Dougie Hamilton chased around behind the net. And down the slot comes Luke Cunning. The broken stick. It's Cunnins. He's got to go to the bench to get a new piece of equipment. Shot wide of Nadalkovich's
2: Nashville gains the zone. Kept in now out from Curry scores. Stick jumped off the bench. Perfect feed from Mikhail Granland beating Alex Nadelkovich. And the Nashville Predators will beat the Carolina Hurricanes four to three in
0: double overtime in the second consecutive game. I'm just not sure why Dougie Hamilton was skating behind the net. I mean, his job, I mean, Brett Pesci went onto the corner to to check Mikhail Granland. And Dougie just kind of skated away. Like, meanwhile, Luke Cunningham's coming down the slot. Not a good game from Dougie Hamilton tonight. Hasn't been a good series for Dougie Hamilton uh, at all. And we're going to throw out last year because Dougie Hamilton was coming back from a leg injury. And he really, he might have been 100% in terms of being healed. But he wasn't Dougie Hamilton. He wasn't the Dougie Hamilton we watched for 40-some-odd games in the regular season until the injury in in uh, Columbus. But here's what I do remember from Dougie Hamilton two years ago. I remember him not being an effective player in the playoffs. And I really hope that this is still a small sample size that Dougie Hamilton can snap out of this and become a positive player for Carolina. Because... Especially when you need him when you don't have Jacob Slavin. He really hasn't been good at all. And, I mean, look, I don't know if it's fair to say they lose the game tonight because Dougie Hamilton played poorly. But, Dougie Hamilton played poorly, and there are fingerprints and residue of Dougie Hamilton on all four goals in one way, shape, or one, you know one way or another, so uh, that's unfortunate. A couple of other very quick things. We'll take a break. We'll come back with Alec Campbell. Uh, Alex Nedeljkovic was awesome tonight. Awesome. He made some of the greatest saves I've ever seen a Carolina Hurricane goaltender make. Uh Cam Ward on, uh who is it, Fernando Pisani uh, in the uh, third period of Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals. Kevin Weeks on John Madden in the... Uh, Opening round of the Easter... Was it the opening round in uh, 2002? Yeah, opening round 2002. I mean, incredible saves. He made so many great saves. But he let in two soft goals. And sometimes... And unfortunately, this game is one of those times. You're only as good as the goals you allow. As great as Alex was, those are absolutely the second goal but I think the first one too just can't allow him he just can't man you have you have to save your team and again Alex saved the hurricanes probably oh five times tonight six times tonight he was awesome tonight he was better than Soros as great as Soros was and I'm not knocking juicy Soros I think Alex was the better goaltender tonight but I mean you got to make those saves uh, again, I mentioned this earlier, power play was really indicative of the offensive issues. I think those two things work in concert. Same problems that Carolina had getting 61 shots on goal and only three goals uh, was their inability to get into the dirty areas in the offensive end and be effective, and really that manifests itself on the power play as well. So Carolina has a couple of power play goals in uh, in four games, but 0-4 tonight, they lost the special teams battle. You didn't figure to lose a special teams battle to a team who was as mediocre as Nashville was on the uh, power play and penalty kill all season long, but therein lies the rub. Uh, so I believe that's really, I mean, there's probably more. We'll get to it with Alec Campbell on the other side. Um, I do want to uh, point out one thing because this keeps coming up, and I'll let Rod Brindamore talk about it. What has to change? How do you bounce back? I did this with Jordan Martinuk. I think the head coach overall is pretty pleased with the way his team played. Yeah, of course they're crushed, man. You
2: play your butts off like that, and I think we're a better team uh, in that game. You know, you wanna just des- you-, you want better. You you know you feel like you deserve better. It doesn't work that way
0: you know
1: as we
2: know so um you know we have to as a group just regroup and you know come back i mean it's cliche but it's done it's done and we're moving on and you know try to get better in the soft day a little bit and then just if we take that game back uh you know next game i, I feel pretty good about
0: it see pleased with the way his team played look He's not going to undress players that need to play better. He's not going to undress Dougie Hamilton. He's not John Tortorella, right? Uh, so Hamilton needs to play better. Andre Spechnikoff probably needs to play better. Uh, I think Martin Natchez needs to play better. Bean needs to play better. Gosh. But there, without Slavin, mm, without Slavin, it's a, uh, it's a difficult thing. And it's difficult for everybody, um, even though Pesci and Brady Shea have just been absolutely dynamite. Uh, all right, we'll take a short break. We'll come back with Alec Campbell on the other side. Remember, this is the Kane's Corner Podcast. Uh, it is available wherever you get your podcast, the morning after edition, which was... Uh, in a way, supposed to be the evening after edition until life intervened and it became the morning after edition again. Uh, anyway, wherever you get your podcast, rate us, review us, let us know what you think, give us some feedback. We love feedback. Uh, we'll try to, you know, kind of incorporate some interactive nature of this uh, in the very near future. And as always, let us know where you are when you listen. It's always nice. Uh, at a gold fan. Plus, I like seeing pictures. At a gold fan on Twitter. Alec Campbell, my friend, on the other side. My man Alec Campbell, Stormwatch, Aftermath, Intermissions, and we had a lot of them. We nearly had another one uh, on the Hurricanes Radio Network. Uh, I just want, to, just want people to take a breath. Um, obviously, when you lose a game in double overtime, I mean, nearly two, into triple overtime for the second night in a row. There are, there is going to be some disappointment. Uh, No one more disappointed than the players and the head coach uh, and everybody connected to it. All the connections to use a horse racing term. Right. Um, But there's not a ton. I mean, there's certain things they have to get better at, but I mean, they played well enough. Like, I think they were better tonight this afternoon into tonight than they were Friday. I thought this was a better game. Uh yeah. Nashville didn't really have many chances at all. The problem right. is Nashville cashed in uh on yeah. the uh on the last ones. How'd you see this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would agree with all of that stuff. I mean, I thought Carolina was pretty good. I mean, the sentiments after the game from Rod Brindemore and Jordan Martin and Brock McGinn are really you know, we played well. We got to keep our heads high. And we could have won the game, but we didn't. And so I think that that is true. And I think that's fine to point out. Largely, I agree with that. I think that the Hurricanes were very good tonight. But they weren't opportunistic when they needed it most. They had a 3-2 lead in the third period. Um, they lost the special teams battle. Yeah, And every mistake they made turned into a goal and the other thing too is they did not get enough out of a good performance I mean and credit Nashville for part of this because I thought it was the case in the last game too man it seems really hard for Carolina to get clean looks on net or get pucks through uh, and get second you know chance opportunities rebounds stuff like that I mean I think Nashville's made it really difficult on them over the course of the last couple of games and so what that means is that when you do get opportunities you gotta score and I think that's the that's the bigger thing you know it's it's, it's all fine to to talk about how well they played and that they were good enough to win the game all that's true but at the end of the day you gotta score goals in big moments and they hadn't done that in the last two games and they had chances to do it I mean Brock McGinn you know, right on the doorstep, could have had the yeah. hat trick and the game winner, and you know, lost the puck. There, there were other instances of you know guys that finally got c- clean looks, and you know, Spechnikov whizzed one over the top of the goal mm-hmm. at one point. You got to put things on net. You know, you got to get yourself an opportunity. And we saw it with Aho. You know, in the, I think it was the last game, or maybe it was game two, where he just flipped one at the net and it went in.
0: Right. So, well, it was game three. I, he went, <laughs> went off a Roman Yossi stick. Yeah, so
1: there, there isn't a whole lot that I would change in terms of the way they're playing the game. If, if they give you that game consistently, I think more often than not, they're going to win the game. Right. But they haven't scored the big goal and the big moment the last couple of nights, and that's been, that's been really the difference. And Nashville has. So I think if you were sc- scoring this game by you know in boxing terms, I think Carolina was the better team tonight. I mean, maybe not by a lot, but but they were the better team and they just didn't win. And unfortunately, in the playoff time, better team and not winning doesn't really work anymore. Hey, you gotta win. You you're gotta right, score. it
0: does it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter right. if you out if you outplay the other team and lose because ultimately right. the only thing that matters is whether or not you won. Uh, and all of what you just said is very true. The Canes were the better team, had the puck a ton, had tons of zone time, Um, but how about the fact that they had one high-danger chance in 36-plus overtime minutes? One. That's it. And that's, I mean, ultimately, for all of their zone time, they had plenty of scoring chances. But right. without traffic in front, those are yeah. all going to be handled by somebody playing as well as UC Soros. Uh, and here's the thing. Soros made, what? I don't know what he, what he makes, 59 <laughs> saves, 58, however many it was. Uh, almost 60 saves. Do you remember any? <laughs>
1: Uh, there were a few. I mean, the game was so long, Adam. I mean, I, my, I, I, I forgot what happened in the first period. already. So if there was a big save made in the first period, then I forgot about it already. But no, they, there weren't a ton of good ones. And again, I think like this game was, to me, almost a carbon copy of the game they played on Friday night. But as you point out, slightly better. But in terms of in, in, you know the net front and the traffic stuff, I think has been a big key in the last two games, both yep. in the way that Nashville has gotten traffic and net front both on the offensive side and the defensive side, and Carolina's inability to get that. And I talked to Eric Cole about this in the pregame show. You know, so much of that is simply getting there first. You know, beating, the, beating your guy to that spot and establishing your position. And then once you get there, you got to do yeoman's work, right? You—that's th- what he was saying. Was once you get down there, the the easier part is to get there. The harder part is once you get there, what do you do? How much work do you do to keep it there? And I think that's been a big factor. Just Nashville has has gotten that front presence on offense, on defense. They have made it very difficult for Carolina to get high danger chances. Right, and I think that's a big reason why they didn't get very many. I mean. To me, it felt very, I felt very frustrated in the last two games at Carolina's inability to get clean looks on net or get pucks through. And to me, that's more a function of what Nashville is doing than anything else. But that, and, and that was one of the things I said in the pregame. I want to see Carolina fight for, for those areas of the ice harder. I mean, because I think that's where the games have been won and lost over the, the last couple of nights.
0: Well, I'm even going to take it back further. I, I want to expand on that uh, a little bit, and then uh, there are a lot of people on uh, or giving Dougie Hamilton a piece of their mind. Andrei Svechnikov, too, which I don't really get, um, and Alex and So we'll talk about those three players in a second. Um, but the if you go back to why the Hurricanes lost both playoff series to the Boston Bruins, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. I mean. It wasn't a, that they lost the physical battle. That's part of it, but uh, it's, uh, to me, it's a small part of it. Uh, it's mm-hmm. that they could not get inside of Boston's defense at all. Right. So everything was from the perimeter. And that was, and by the way, I think it manifests itself on the power play, when you you're not getting, they did not have the same net front presence that they that they would normally have that got them to thirty percent with like uh, two weeks to go or three weeks to go in the regular season, when they were still operating at a thirty percent clip, that went away. The net front presence hasn't been there. Um, they're just I don't for whatever reason, and I don't want to make it seem like they're not working hard enough. But that's right. that's going that extra step offensively to create the situation that is advantageous for your rebounds, your rebound right. goals, your deflection goals, uh, and that's what hasn't been there in these two games for Carolina, and that's what has been in there been there in these two games for Nashville. So it's not a surprise that Carolina is, uh, you know, has one power play goal, or actually have two in the series. Uh, but 0-4 today, and the power play didn't look great. It's not a surprise the power play didn't look great, uh, even though they got a power play goal from Trocek, uh, which was kind of, to me, a fluky goal because it's really a bad goal that Soros allowed um, uh, from, that, uh, from that sharp angle. Uh, but Carolina's power play hadn't really been good. And a part of that is they're not getting to the middle of the ice. Um, so if, if that changes, I, I anticipate the score would change. Um, Mm -hmm. but how many chances did they have in the first two overtimes? And I actually think Nashville had the better juicy chances in the first overtime. Again, Ned had to make the better saves. Uh, and I think Ned had to make the better saves all game long. Uh, but Ned had to make the better saves in the (laughs) overtime, even though Carolina had huge shot attempt and shots on goal advantages. Uh, but again, I think, Carolina was taking a lot of those shots. They took a lot of three pointers today, and mm-hmm. I mean, you can you can score on three pointers. Uh, Brock McGinn scored on a three pointer from the wall. Uh, w- what was interesting about that? There was a net front presence. Saros never saw the shot. It's pretty. It's it, it can be very simple, right?
1: Yeah, and you know, unfortunately, I'm not sure. That, you know, as, as you point out too. I'm not sure that has been a real staple of their game for a while for like seasons. That you know, they have not really been a great net front team. I'm not saying they've always been terrible at it, but it's it's almost like they need to be reminded every game. Hey, you gotta get some position down there because good things happen. But you know, I didn't I didn't see well, I guess this is also a function of that is I mean, Soros didn't really give up many rebounds either.
0: Well, when you see you the know? puck when so, you see the puck from distance, you shouldn't, right?
1: Yeah. Right. So I mean, even if had, had they been down there, I mean, although I guess if they're down there you can't see it, maybe you get some rebounds, but yeah, there was no one to be no, no one to be found around for second chance opportunities and that kind of stuff. So it, it it's a focus for sure, and so is the power play. That's got to be if they lost the power, the uh, the special teams battle today. How many? How many penalties did Carolina get? Four. Four. Four power. Well, how many did? Uh, Two. How many did Nashville get? Two. Nashville, oh, so they yep. won the penalty. Yep, exactly. So the refere The referees heard Rod. <laughs> yes,
0: three. and they even got an overtime power play.
1: And they got one turned. Yeah, they did. And they got one turned over, turned right around.
0: Absolutely.
1: Petnikoff had his. Uh, had his high stick overturned or whatever it was yes by video by
0: video review rod brindamore would be absolutely thrilled uh about Mm -hmm. that all right real uh let's let's quickly talk about dougie hamilton uh i don't i don't know what your conversation with trip tracy went uh went like about this uh after the game but uh hamilton on the four goals uh on the first one uh just uh Terrible uh, giveaway in the neutral zone that led to the scoring chance. Now, after that, uh, Brett Pesci misplayed uh, the play on Luke Cunningham. Um mm-hmm. He, let he again, got caught staring at the puck rather than just knock Cunning off the play, uh, which is what we criticize. I mean, I'm going to be consistent. I criticized Jake Bean for that uh, after uh, on the game winner on Friday, so that's a mistake on Pesci's part. And then I didn't think Alex Ndalkovich played uh, played that puck very well, but I'm not necessarily going to bang on him for the goal. But uh, to me, there's th- that Hamilton mistake, the giveaway that created the chance. Uh, he, right. along mm-hmm. with everybody else, was loitering on the second goal when Ned just for some reason couldn't cover it. Um, right. He was in the box on the power play goal, and yep. I'm not sure what he was doing on the f- on the game-winning goal. Why? W- why did he skate around behind the goal I don't know. And leave the front of the net. So that, that, that was Dougie Hamilton's night on the four goals.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I could go as far to say that Tripp essentially pinned it on Dougie Hamilton. The, the loss. Right. Um, when I asked him, you know, where the Hurricanes lost the game, he said Dougie Hamilton. So all that, I think, is fair. I also think on the first goal, they were kind of changing. At the same time, yes, it, he was. Them,
0: he was going off on a change, which is why he wasn't on the ice for the goal.
1: Yeah, which put them in a real bad spot. I mean, you can't turn the puck over if you're going off the ice, and so it was a bad, bad pass. But the rest of them all fair. I mean, took take a bad penalty that leads to, you know, the power play goal for uh, for Nashville and Nick Cousins. By the way, in the third period, almost like single handedly beat uh-huh. the Hurricanes. Yeah, so it wasn't for Alex Nadelkovich.
0: Cousins has played well um, against Carolina this year. Yeah.
1: I mean, that save Ned made at the end of the game to send the game to overtime was insane. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was a rough night for Dougie, and he doesn't have Jacob Flavin there to cover <laughs> yep. either. And that's, you know, I think that's as glaring as just looking at the minutes for Pesci and Shea. I mean, the two things that stand it like, the Canes had a chance to win without Jacob Slavin in the lineup. But they have run the minutes up on Pesci and Shea, and Hamilton needs more help defensively. So I hope Slavin can come back and play on Tuesday, whenever the game is. By the way, have you seen when the game's going to no, be? No, I
0: don't know yet. Uh, Tuesday. Yeah. I, I assume Tuesday, it'll yeah. be in the evening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just so, assuming yeah, it'll be in the evening.
1: <laughs> I think I think the criticism for Dougie is fair.
0: Okay. Um, by the way, Brett Pesci, last two games, 79 minutes and 43 seconds. Brady Shea the last two games, 77 23. Dougie played 36 minutes on uh, on Friday night. Uh, so mm-hmm. I mean, it's I I don't know. Maybe it's fair to wonder if if Dougie's tank was running a little low too yeah. today. Um, with less than 48 hours. I'm, look, to me, that wouldn't be an excuse. Um, you're all supposed to be in great physical condition, so I probably don't think that Dougie was on empty, but um, Dougie made a bunch of mistakes today. Uh, to, to Alex Nedelkovic, probably the strangest amazing game I have ever seen from a goaltender <laughs> because he yeah. made so many awesome saves. Right. But but he allowed two goals, one of which a hundred percent is on him, and the other, eh, I know, I think we know Ned well enough to know that he thinks the first goal was unacceptable. Just, yeah, it's kind
1: of it's kind of the same thing as the game winner the other night, where he just kind of tries to poke the puck away and yeah. sort of overplays it a little bit. Um, yep.
0: Just play it. Just just and, make the save.
1: Yeah, and then you know the second one where he's looking for his glasses in the dark, <laughs> trying to trying to find the puck. Yeah. The old Scott Darling move. Um, this is the second podcast in a row, by the way, that I've invoked the name of Scott Darling. Maybe I'll try to make that a thing.
0: It could be going forward. The Scott Darling moment um, of the pod. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, he made so many good saves. I referenced the one at the end of the, he made two at the, at the end of the game yep. that could have kept the game, could have been over. Game could have been over in regulation without two of those ridiculous saves at the end. So it was kind of weird in that way and that he had some bad moments, but he had some great moments too. O- overall, I thought he was good. I mean, it was, yeah, weird performance, but I thought he was pretty good. I guess I'm inclined to believe that Ned's going to go again on Tuesday.
0: I would have to imagine Trip, at this point. Yeah.
1: Trip. Trip seems to think that that's definitely going to be the case. So, I think that's where we're at right now. Although every time that we have Zig, Rod Brindamore has Zag. Yes. So we'll see what happens.
0: I so will declare that Alex Tadelkovich be- will play on Tuesday.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't, I don't hate it either. I'm not. I'm not really mad at it. I mean, he's a young dude. He's got a day to recover getting these playoff situations and, you know, it's been done many times before Where guys have played a lot, got a lot of work in the playoffs.
0: All right. Look, one, one more thing. Um, and we'll just go with who needs to give a little bit more. Like, I I don't think anybody's let me, let me just rewind one second with Mm -hmm. Dougie Hamilton in the box and Jacob Slavin, um, in street clothes. Pesci and Shea were not on the ice shorthanded when Cousins scored the deflection goal. It was Max Maxime LeJoie and Yanni Hockenpah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I present that without comment. That's who was on the <laughs> ice. Shorthanded right. in the third period. Of a game where you had a one-goal lead. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there's... People can make of that what they wish. I know what I'm making of it. That's that's not good enough. That's what I'm making of it. And mm-hmm. this is why I've been screaming about it for two months. Um, that you can't... You can't allow yourself to be in this position. But they're in this position... And they still could have won both of these games, but you can't. I mean, seventy four and twenty two out of the lineup, no shot, no shot. And I said, you do you remember when I said bef- before the playoffs started that if Slavin can't play, I'm not yeah. even sure they can win a series. Right. I'm there. I'm still. I'm still in that spot. I thought this was right. going to be a seven game series, thinking that Slavin was going to play. I don't think Carolina right. wins the series if Slavin doesn't play.
1: Yeah, I mean you're right, and really the the cumulative effect on the minutes that everybody's playing. I mean, why is why are those two guys not on the ice then? Because they're playing forty minutes a game over the course of the last two you know two games, plus you know nearly ten minutes of shorthanded time the other night. Yeah. So Rod's kind of forced into a situation where he's got to get other people on the ice. And that's all trickle down effect to both what they didn't do at the trade deadline. And also Jacob Slavin being out.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and Jake Bean, (laughs) while Bean can skate and Bean is a smart player and he's good with his stick. He is essentially a butterfly. I mean, he gets Mm -hmm. pushed around, uh, all over the ice. And actually he was on the ice for the first goal with Pesci. Um, and, I mean, no, I'm sorry. No, the, the second this, well, no, no, that's Ryan Ellis is the hummingbird. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I pre- I'm glad you uh, you appreciated that line. Uh, all I could think of was your dreidel line from uh, from Friday's pod. I, I meant to comment on that, but because um, <laughs> it's a great line, and I wasn't sure if you have ever played dreidel before, uh, because there are rules and there's gambling involved in uh, in dreidel, mm-hmm. which is always fun, um, but. But on the second goal, while, yes, Hamilton and everybody else on the ice thought Ned had had the plate stopped and the puck covered, uh, so they all kind of took a breath, um, Jake Bean got bodied off the puck twice in that, where he had the puck. And I I think it was Matt Duchesne just said, nah, you don't have the puck anymore. And when you have the puck as an NHL defenseman who... I mean, the Hurricanes would have hoped that Jake Bean could have at least played in their top four. Um, but if you can't hang on to the puck when you've got it, I mean, there's just no chance. There's just no chance you can, you can be a, a, a credible top four NHL defenseman if you can't hold on to the puck. Uh, he's he, he's so, he needs to get so much stronger in order to have an impact at the NHL level. Um, And I had an interesting conversation, and I don't want to get too deep into this part, um, that if you're the Hurricanes, would you rather protect Brady Shea or Jake Bean in the expansion draft?
1: Uh, Brady Shea.
0: Right. So, and dare Ron Francis to take Jake Bean. Which I think he would do. But you'd have to dare him to take Jake Bean. Because... If you lose Brady Shea, I don't think there's a... I mean, I I probably shouldn't say this, but I don't think there's a chance they will pay Dougie Hamilton what Hamilton can get on the open market. I don't think there's a chance that they will pay him more than seven, maybe seven and a half million dollars. And the playoff Dougie Hamilton, throw last year out because he was not 100%, but the playoff Dougie Hamilton, he doesn't warrant uh, a long term a long-term big money contract. You'll end up hating that contract. What we have seen from Dougie in the postseason, uh, two years ago and this year, which has not been good. I mean, maybe that's a small sample size. I don't know. Um, But the playoffs are a small sample size. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's too hard in the paint. Uh, Maybe that's unfair to, uh, uh, to Dougie. But, um, some players are built for the regular season and some players are built for the postseason. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just that, that that's just a truism, but uh, I don't I don't know that Dougie doesn't that Dougie fits that bill. Right. But what we have seen so far leads me to believe that Dougie is built for the regular season and not for the postseason. And you can't pay those guys eight and a half million
1: dollars. That type of money.
0: Can't do it. If they don't help you right. win a cup, you, there's no point. Yeah. So, and if I think if they protect Shea, I think there's even less of a chance that they keep, they end up re-signing Dougie Hamilton. But uh, that's, just, that's just that. Uh, anything else? Any parting words, wisdom, uh, advice? Um, no, I mean, I,
1: you, you were about to ask which, you know, which guy do you need more from?
0: Oh yes, that's uh, what I asked, and then I went off on a yeah. tangent. Like I said, I wouldn't. <laughs> right,
1: um, and you know, I mean, <clears throat> the the first guy that comes to mind for me is Svechnikov. Um, I just I I feel like he's got to be more of an offensive force, and to me, just really hasn't been. I mean, he's not been bad, not been terrible, but I mean, when you're Andre Sveshnikov. You you gotta be a regular um powerhouse yeah. player. And I'm not sure that he necessarily has been. Yeah, I agree. So that would that would be my answer to that.
0: I agree. That uh Andre well, I mean, statistically has looked good. Um, you know Yeah, I mean
1: and you you got some you know, you've gotten some fill in performances from people. You've gotten goals from Nino, you, you got two from Brock McGinn tonight. You know, you, you got uh you got a goal from um who else scored? Uh, Vincent Trocheck. Um, right. and I feel like those guys are doing what they're I, like. I liked the stall line tonight. I thought yes yep. for Fox was pretty good. I liked Stall. I liked Fogle. I thought they were they were uh, dangerous and aggressive uh-huh. at times. Um, so you're getting stuff from those guys. You're getting what you ask and what you need from those guys. Fourth line was great tonight too. Um, but yeah. you got to get more from from. Like, I think Ajo's been there. I think Taravainen's been there. Um, but I think we got to get more from Svetch.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I agree 100%. I have nothing to add to that uh, because... <laughs> All right. Uh, no, no, seriously. I mean, the only thing I would yeah. add is that, um, that... That's my line. <laughs> uh, the, the only thing I would add to that is that I think if Andre would put himself in position to be the villain, right? Mm -hmm. If he played that role, I think he would get more out of the game.
1: Yes. Agree. And he, he kind of toes that line. He sort Uh of almost goes there, but normally it turns, one of the problems is some, a lot of times it manifests itself in stupid penalties, right? That's part of the problem with that. Yep. But yes, I agree. I agree. He has it in him to do
0: it hey he took a bad he took a, a silly penalty even though it was really the second cross check after the whistle the first one was not called uh his was um but they had they killed off that penalty um but mm-hmm. the uh yeah so he he, he 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 did that a little bit but i'd like to see him be more of a uh more of a pest yeah play the eric holler role
1: I agree. Nothing wrong with doing that.
0: All right. Uh, We'll do this again Tuesday from PNC Arena. Uh, Whenever that game starts and whenever that game ends, we don't know. Um, Yeah.
1: Anytime, NHL. Anytime. uh, Let uh, us know so we can figure out our lives.
0: Exactly. We have dinner to prepare. Uh, All right, Alec Campbell. We'll uh, we'll see you later.
1: All right. Appreciate you.
0: All right. It's a best of three. Carolina and Nashville tied at two. Hurricanes get two games on home ice. Nashville only gets one. Hey, maybe the Hurricanes will only get one. Of course, I hope the Hurricanes get only one, but they win on Tuesday. Um, But if you're surprised at this, that's fair. I'm not. I've been saying it all along, and I was looked at like I had six heads. I thought this was going to be a long series. I think Nashville plays kind of a grimy, gritty game. They were not going to be easy. And with no Jacob Slavin, Carolina is stretched very, very thin on the back end. Um, But we'll see. We'll see how they respond to this. Um, Again, played well in both games. Better tonight than they did on Friday night. But ultimately, in the end, it doesn't matter. Nashville got a pair of late second overtime goals and won both games. This one 4-3, the other one 5-4. So we'll talk to you Tuesday. Remember that this is brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. No place like it. Siding, roofing, windows, entry doors, storm doors, gutter helmets. You name it, they got it. Go online for free, no obligation estimate at aluminumcompany.com. I'm Adam Gold. We will talk to you on Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning. Rate us, review us, follow us wherever you get your podcast. It's the Canes Corner Podcast, and we will talk to you on Tuesday night. You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sports Fan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google
1: Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn.
0: Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast.
1: Your heart, it's the only one you have. Fortunately, you also have a choice